Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am 24. This is my podcast, 24's podcast. Once again, late, late night, late Tuesday, early Wednesday morning. Late Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning. Got a little bit, got a lot to talk about. Gonna talk about really some bad takes from rich eisen open up the show with that as well as so many different things going on like Derek carr being mad at the raiders pause music i can't focus with chief keith going i love chief love this song deandre hopkins potentially going to the panthers and the browns you should like the panthers should be very very much interested in it As well as other things, as I'm like watching some other stuff kind of go down the pipeline. Anyways, I'm pausing. A lot of stuff to talk about, ladies and gentlemen. And we'll get into it right here. 24's podcast. My speaker literally went out. <sighs> Give me like two seconds. Oh, God. Sorry about that. Bought a new charging cable. Thank God. My... For like micro USB, nobody sells them in stock because nobody has a micro USB. Bought it off of Amazon, and it's like, wow, I should have done this literally years ago. Oh God, all of my shit is now charging perfectly. Goodness gracious, where do I want to start the podcast? Where do I want to start the show? Got a lot to talk about. Oh yeah, by the way, as as usual, as it normally. You know, is we will not have a podcast on Wednesday, but that is, I mean, that's, that's literally what we always do. It's always, 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 always no podcast on Wednesday. So let's talk sports. Let's get into it, right? There's this weird Rich Eisen thing that happened today, and I'll try and make this podcast short. But there is this weird thing that happened on Rich Eisen's show today where he talked about the five juiciest potential Super Bowl matchups. And we'll get into that. And it's bad. And it's just like, out of all of the things that can be perceived as interesting narratives for people to consume, for some weird reason, like Rich Eisen just comes up with some of the most boring weird off the wall narratives that just put me to sleep that were just plain uninteresting in the long term and i i mean he was talking about things that were like 5 to 6 years old and i was like what in regards to like the nfl i was like are you are you kidding me oh this is i'm watching south park right now 
and <laughs> this is the episode this is the episode where they are uh they're like walking through the woods and somebody's like it, it's a it's it's like a um it's like a play on uh <laughs> on like stranger things because this is when stranger things was popping off and 80s music was having a huge resurgence it wasn't last year ironically enough it was like a couple of years ago and, <laughs> and they're playing Richard Mark Richard Marks like hold me through the night and Stan is like this is terrible music and then they go from playing that song to playing Pac-Man Fever hold on yep <laughs> oh my god sorry I love I love South Park I'm watching that super late Super late. So. Rich Eisen, terrible take. We'll talk about it. But first, I want to talk about baseball here. Super pissed off. Super annoyed. Baseball really is uh, super disappointing. Why is it disappointing? Well, Clayton Kershaw, my favorite pitcher, my team's pitcher, the Los Angeles Dodgers, played tonight. And... The Dodgers, of course, they won against the uh, the Rockies. I don't know where the Rockies are. The Rockies are a stupid baseball team. Nobody cares about the Rockies. But Rockies were playing up against the Dodgers. Dodgers absolutely smoked them tonight, like four runs to, I think, zero. And did I get to see the uh, the Dodgers play? No, of course not. Why would you think? Why would you think that? I live in Florida. They play in Los Angeles, but hell, they played in the Colorado Rockies. So it's just like, of course they didn't. Of course I didn't get to see them play tonight. Clayton Kershaw is playing. Didn't get to see him play. Why am I bringing this up? Why is this so important? Well, the reason why I'm bringing this up, the reason why it's so important, is because throughout the last three to four days, baseball has been trying to essentially get the Astros, Dodgers, rivalry going again but i mean i like i hate baseball i hate baseball i hate a lot of things about it it is an old sport i love the sport itself in a vacuum but i also hate a lot of the things about baseball i hate how old it is i hate how old it feels i hate some of the ridiculousness that comes with the sport like for example pelting players for flipping bats Oh, let's throw 100 miles per hour, you know, fastball at a guy's head because he flipped his bat because I'm such a bad pitcher that I freaking, you know, like, by the way, pitchers have all the advantage. But God forbid a baseball player shows enthusiasm and excitement for accomplishing something that very, very few humans can accomplish. And that's cracking one out of fucking center field straight into the fucking stands with all the fans. Over, what was it, like, over, like, three, four hundred feet exit velocity of, exit velocity, velocity, excuse me, exit velocity out of the fucking field of play into the stands, doing something that very, very few people do. He can, he cannot celebrate ever whatsoever, but a pitcher throwing a strikeout, nah, we love that. I mean, some of the things that happen in baseball are just, like, ridiculous to me. And then people condoning it. And then it's just, like, as much as I bitch about officials in every league, basketball, football, God damn, are some of those motherfuckers in baseball, some of the umps, just some of the worst officials I've ever seen in my entire life. But... I haven't really been that interested in baseball. It doesn't feel like baseball is that important to watch outside of some huge events. This weekend, LSU went up against Florida in the College World Series. That felt like a huge moment for LSU. LSU having a lot of sports programs winning championships over the last four years. 2020, really 2019 was the season, but they won it in 2020. Joe Burrow, LSU Tigers, go Tigers, winning the national championship against, I think it was Clemson, right? It was Clemson. I think they, I mean, Alabama, I don't even think qualified for it, but beat Clemson. Yeah, it was Oklahoma. 
that was in the uh, the college football playoffs. Beat Clemson, destroyed Clemson, really. Destroyed Oklahoma, really. Won the national championship. Started off kind of the, uh, the, the run of LSU programs winning championships. A- Angel Reese and the LSU women's Tigers went out. Won a national championship for basketball this year a couple of months ago. And then I think on Monday, LSU's baseball team went out to win another championship a couple of months later, once again, after Angel Reese's LSU Tigers. Women's Tigers basketball team won their championship in three years after Joey B won his. And that felt like a more significant moment than any moment that has ever been Uh, had in baseball I don't even know any of the narratives because it seems like none of the narratives really matter the only thing that really sparked significant interest when it came to baseball for me over the last couple of years or not over the last couple of years but over the last couple of months excuse me was and is the the world's not the world series but it was like the world FIBA thing where you had all of these all of these national teams coming in playing that felt like it had more of an impact on baseball than anything else because guess fucking what Americans American baseball is not the only baseball league on the planet and in a lot of countries it's not even the most popular Japanese baseball is popping not just because they beat America in the world finals or the FIBA world finals or whatever it's called but they actually have a very insulated, awesome Japanese baseball community and environment that, in all honesty, is a significantly better sport there than it is here. There's a lot of really, really cool stuff that they do in Japanese baseball that would just be shunned and rejected here in American baseball. The players are awesome. The events are awesome. It's just a really, really cool sport that they have going in Japan, as well as winter baseball in South America, where you have a lot of these Latin American players going back home and playing for these respective uh, these respective teams in their home countries. It's like there's just so much baseball going on year-round in other countries that just kind of dwarfs American baseball. It's like there really isn't a lot of foreign interest in American baseball because all these foreign, foreign, uh, I mean, I won't say that there's not any foreign interest in American baseball, but there isn't as much as there definitely should be. It's like there's so many foreign leagues that are just like, yeah, we don't need American baseball. We are, we have our own. Why would we, why would we want American baseball? And then this weekend you have, ESPN trying to run with the Dodgers and the Dodgers didn't have a good series against the Astros and Clayton, who is easily their best pitcher, isn't playing. And it just doesn't seem like anything that baseball is doing is important, but that's not anything new. That's been the norm for the last couple of years. It's just like, guys, like, how is the sport so far behind? I mean, besides like the obvious marketing or lack thereof for the significant players, I mean, there's been so much marketing for baseball this this season. They brought in Brian Cranston to talk about baseball, and he always said like, man, this is a new, faster, sexier baseball, man. Look at baseball. We're going to have a pitch clock now. And it's just like, nobody cares. They don't care. The reason why baseball was such a lacking sport comparatively to a lot of other sports is because baseball, just straight up, as a, uh, like, as a fucking, uh, what is it? Baseball as a fucking sport, it's just, it's behind. And behind in the sense of, like, it's behind just, like, thought-wise. And it's just... It sucks. I keep bitching about how this sport does not have, for the love of Christ, for the love of Christ, for some stupid reason, it refuses to cut down in games. And it's just like, I don't know why it will not stop having so many baseball games. I don't know why it's over like 100 plus now. It's just like, I can't watch every single baseball game. I mean, they're already at 70, almost 80 games, like 78 games. It's like, bro, the NBA season has 
82. And it's just like, you guys in June have 78. Why? Like, God. Baseball frustrates me so much. Frustrates me so much. I love the sport, but God damn, it frustrates me. Oh, God. You want to hear some something ridiculous? Actually, before I get started, I've been thinking about buying a um a new TV. A very like, I mean, like, it's not an expensive TV, but it's like it's it's gonna be. What is it? It's gonna be like a new 4K TV. I don't have a 4K TV. The TV that I own is like, I don't know what TV it is. It's like a 10-year-old TV. I checked all the prices for TVs, and it's just ridiculous. 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 How much these fucking TVs cost when it comes to the pricing. You can get like a 4K TV with all the fucking bells and whistles for like... A couple hundred dollars, like a 65-inch television. It's insane how inexpensive these big-ass TVs are. And it's like, I gotta, I gotta check and see if the dimensions of what I'm going to mount the TV on, not my wall, but like, like on these TV stands, I gotta see if it'll actually fucking fit. Because it probably won't, A. And then B, it's like... I mean, I, I was looking today online and I was like, I was shocked to find that you could buy a Vizio 65 inch television, 4K QLED HDR smart TV for 500 fucking dollars. I mean, a big boy, huge, big ass TV for fucking 65 fucking for $500. That's insane. Insane. Oh my God. It's ridiculous how inexpensive these things are. Ridiculous. Shocked. Shocked. I'm also like looking at the, oh, dude, it even has HDMI, it has eARC, which is like for sound bars because I'm gonna get a sound bar as well. It's, it's fucking perfect. It has eARC. It's like it's insane how fucking awesome these TVs are. It even has like the old composite inputs and outputs. It's like how how look out. Out for like VHS players, it only has like three HDMI's and one is the arc, so one can literally only be my for my PS5 and the other one can only be for uh for what is it? For uh for like a DVD player, but it's just like, it's, it's fucking ridiculous. These f motherfucking TVs, it's fucking ridiculous. And then it's like target is like, yeah, we're going to have this big ass sale on these fucking, uh, on this TV. So if you, if you want this fucking TV, you can get this fucking TV for X amount of dollars. Plus, you can get a five-channel Bluetooth audio, which I'm not going to get five channels, but regardless, like, you can get so much shit for this fucking thing. I, I'm shocked. Genuinely shocked at how inexpensive some of this shit is. Anyways, sorry, I'm just fawning over this. I just recently got, like, super... I don't want to say I just got back into TVs. That's not really... The, the case, it's more along the lines that I'm just like, I'm, again, in the market to buy a TV. I apologize for my deviation, for my slight deviation. Here's the thing. So, in regards to kind of like media narratives, when it comes to sports, I'll read a lot of articles, I'll look at a lot of media and content consuming, or not consuming, but concerned with football, basketball, baseball, MMA, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And every single fucking time, I will see people that have no clue what is interesting, no clue what is fascinating, no clue what grips viewers. 
all the time. And in comes in Rich Eisen with a god-awful, a god-awful, like, five to six minute video. Or it's nine minutes, but the part that I'm going to show you is, like, five to six minutes. And it is about his quote-unquote juiciest five potential Super Bowl matchups for next year's Super Bowl. Here is part of it, and I'll pause it when I want to make some comments. But here's Rich. Came up over the weekend. Here it is. Top five list right here. Hit oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to, like... I completely forgot my speakers are turned off, so I got to go to my beats, which... Like, thank God they're charged. They're charged because of my awesome new speaker! Or not speaker, but... My, uh, my fucking new charger. Thank God. Is, is this my beats? And I thought of it. Yeah, here it is. Sorry. So, we're gonna listen to Rich. Rich's input is super low. I apologize. Let me, like, make it as loud as humanly possible. This is as loud as it's gonna get. But, but here's, here's Rich. Here's Rich Eisen, as I cannot unpot. There it goes. Over the weekend, here it is. Top five list right here. Hit it. Jason Feller. Top five juiciest Super Bowl matchups. Mm. I tried to keep it in the realm of possibility. This one is, I believe, the least possible, but I threw it out there because you never know, and it's entirely possible. Not one, but two rookie quarterbacks making the Super Bowl from Ooh, this year. That would be insane. And it brings Frank Reich on the doorstep of denying the Indianapolis Colts a championship. <laughs> Colts versus Panthers. <laughs> Anthony Richardson versus Bryce Young. That would be kind of awesome. And it's Frank Reich. <laughs> One year after being bounced mid-season by the Colts, bringing... So, as I, like, pause it here, I cannot tell you how bored I just got. I mean, I'm borderline falling asleep here at the fucking wheel, listening to him try to convince his boys, and his boys have to have that, like, ha ha ha! <laughs> That's so funny, Rich! That's hilarious! That's great! And it's just like, he didn't say anything funny. I have to hear them feign interest into this horrendous list. I like, and in fact, I love the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl this year was unfortunately at one of the biggest, the Super Bowl media narrative and lead up was unfortunately taking place during one of the biggest moments that basketball has had in the last 20 to 30 years. That was LeBron James breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time record for points, scoring record for points. It was and is essentially one of the greatest accomplishments any basketball player has ever accomplished. And it was smack dab in the middle of the Super Bowl week where a bunch of media members go out and talk to a bunch of the players that are playing in the Super Bowl. Now, the problem also is... The media incorrectly focused in on some of the dumbest narratives you could possibly imagine. The Kelsey brothers' mom. Not to say that it's not a cool narrative that two brothers are playing in the Super Bowl. Not to say that it is not cool for their mom to also cheer for both of them. But that was not what should have been focused on for the entirety of the fucking week. I mean, that was the only thing that I remember from Super Bowl weekend was just the Kelsey's' mom. And I didn't, I couldn't stand to watch any more of it. We don't talk about Stephen Curry's mom whenever Steph had to play up against his brother when he was in Portland. We talked about it like every once in a while, but then bada bing, bada boom, that got played out, that got tired, that got boring. And it's just like, 
we moved on. It should have been the media should have caught wind that very, very few people actually gave a fuck besides very vocal people, and they should have moved on and been like, let's talk about how fucking Patrick Mahomes is playing up against the best defense in the NFL on a bum leg, and he still wins the fucking football game on one fucking leg without Tyreek Hill. Everybody now wants to be revisionist when it comes to history and say, well, everybody, well, well, it's not that nobody didn't believe in Kansas City. Let me tell you something. The narratives that came out before last year's regular season was Kansas City was done. The Chargers got Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson. The Broncos got Russell Wilson. And the Raiders got Devontae Adams. People were not thinking or saying that that team was going to win the Super Bowl, let alone go to it. It's the opposite. We're going to go to the Super Bowl, let alone win it. And so the media spent the entire week talking about the Kelsey's his mom and nobody cared. I was like, guys, why aren't you talking to Justin, not Justin, Jalen Hurts? Why aren't you talking? There are so many fucking interesting motherfucking players on these fucking teams that nobody can get good quotes from. They can't extract good quotes on because they ask the worst fucking questions on the planet. And they also cannot focus in on the more interesting narratives. And everybody was, the problem is this was kind of like a lame duck fight. This was like a, um, this was like, a, uh, like, like there wasn't really any animosity between the two teams because, again, the Kelsey brothers, it's just like, what are they going to say against each other? Now, now, the Kelseys, they both play on offense, so they didn't actually go up against each other. But still, you know what I mean? It's like there wasn't really a whole lot of animosity between the two teams, and the media just made it about Travis and Jason Kelsey's mom, which I'm sure she's a nice lady. It, this isn't like a shot at her. It's just the shot at the media for for just covering her for so fucking long. I'm like, we got to fucking play a game. And it's, and it's like, this is the problem that you'll see with Rich Eisen's list. Rich Eisen will give bad media narratives. He will be like, this is interesting from a media narrative point of view. And it's just like, dude, these games would fucking suck. Like Bryce Young versus Anthony Richardson, two rookies in the Super Bowl would be a terrible fucking Super Bowl. It's like something would have to go inexplicably wrong for both of these quarterbacks to make it to the Super Bowl. Bryce is a rookie with no fucking wide receivers outside of some of the young core that he has. And Anthony Richardson is a super underdeveloped quarterback. Why the fuck would you ever want to watch that football game? Jesus fucking Christ. Panthers back to the Super Bowl with Bryce Young and it's Anthony Richardson in the Colts. Listen to him sell you on this. And it's just like, dude, I'm not watching that fucking game. This is, this is like a bad regular season game. Like, forget about the Super Bowl. If I watch Bryce Young versus Anthony Richardson, I'm like, oh, this is going to be like a bad, bad game. Year one. Come on, bro. Do better. You think that'd be a juicy week in well, Las Vegas, uh, Nevada? I, I, He's I, like, I, it would be a juicy week in Las Vegas. And it's just like, no, it wouldn't. It'd be the same type of fucking week that it would have that it was this year where every fucking person is fucking talking about their mom, the Kelsey's his mom. And I'm like, dude, just ugh, anything else, Mahomes, Andy Reid, anything fucking else, dude. And then the fucking problem was nobody knew how to fucking market the Super Bowl. Everybody was like, if this, if Mahomes loses this Super Bowl, how does it impact its legacy? It's like he's already won one. He's like 28, 29. He's like 27, actually, I think, right? Hold on, let me look up Patrick. People were like, how, how does this affect his fucking legacy? I'm like, what the fuck? He's not at the he's not at the end of his career. He's 27. He's not at the end of his fucking career. He's at the beginning. Are you kidding me? Or actually, he's, he's like in the prime of his life. He's going to be like this for the next, like, Eight years, maybe. And you're talking about, oh, how does this affect the legacy of Patrick Mahomes? It's like, oh, my God, dude. You've been blessed with Tom Brady for the last 10 years. And now you're like, how does this affect his legacy over the dumbest shit ever? You don't know how to market these games.
which is why you think Bryce Young versus Anthony Richardson in the Super Bowl is a good matchup or provides you with good narratives. Oh, my God. Because the Colts are 100 to 1 and the Panthers are 80 to 1. I'm just saying these are it's a long shot. Yeah. It's a long shot, but like we're it. talking juicy here. And it's not happening. And um, one never knows in the NFL. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Number four on Let me this tell you something list. right now. I'm not a gambling man. If you allowed me to short those two teams, like as in short selling a sock. If you were like 24, where do you think they're going to go, both those teams? If you told me I could sell them short, I would be like, I think both of those teams won't make it to the playoffs this year. And I would put down the whole house. I'd put it all down. Neither one of those teams make it to the playoffs. I mean, that's an easy bet, but still. It's just like Rich is talking about, well, it can happen. You never know in the NFL. It's like, I know those two teams are not making it to the playoffs. I'd bet the house on that if I was a gambler. Who would have thunk this could be possible? And it is. Back in the day, in a national championship night in Atlanta, when Alabama played Georgia and one kid gets benched. This is the dumbest narrative ever, by the way, this next one. For the other, and the kid wins a national championship in his one opportunity in the second half of the game. And then years later, Tua Tungo Vailoa and the Miami Dolphins take on Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super cares? Bowl. Who, Who cares? This is six years old. You're talking about like something that happened in 2017 to like 18. Who cares? Are you kidding me, dude? This is the best that you could come up with? Oh, Tua Tagovailoa and Jalen Hurts in the Super Bowl. It's like you want to know what's going to happen during Super Bowl week. They're going to compliment each other. They're not going to say anything negative about one another, and then they're going to move on with their lives. That's what's going to fucking happen. Why do you think that this is a good matchup? Like narrative wise, ooh, it's a ooh, ooh, one guy backed up the other guy, and then one guy got benched for the other guy, and it's just like I'm tired of talking about this. The media made so much headway on this, and it was such a dumb thing because Nick Saban was obviously not going to let people play this game, and it's just like you know what I hate. The media literally self cucks themselves. They bitch and complain about player authenticity. Players aren't authentic. They don't tell or show their true selves. But when players actually do, they're like, oh, this guy is a jackass. This guy. And it's just like you are hurting yourself by not letting players do and say ridiculous things online in the media. You are hurting your narratives by being overly critical about their opinions about whatever they say. It is far more interesting. When I remember, I mean, I mean, everybody remembers, and everybody loves Marshawn. But I remember, if you can remember, go back and look at the clips of Marshawn Lynch going up during the Super Bowl in his press conference and saying, I'm just here so I won't, I won't get fined. And ES, the dumbasses at ESPN Sports Center was like we're we're in for a weird and awkward press conference from Marshawn Lynch and it's just like it was highly entertaining to watch journalists try and probe Marshawn Lynch for information and it was hilarious to see him not literally but metaphorically giving the media the middle finger by saying I am here so I won't get fined in an ingenious way to define to defy the NFL because he would just skip press conferences and then he started to get fined thus the infamous phrase I'm just here so I won't get fined and it's just like that was one of the most interesting things ever and he got blasted for it and I'm like you idiots this is the most interesting thing that happened in the lead up to the Super Bowl against the Patriots. And you're freaking causing Marshawn Lynch to, to not want to, to freaking do media. Laugh along. It's a joke. Don't take yourself so seriously. This is the best you got. Jalen Hurts versus two attack of Iloa. Ridiculous.
that would have been possible on that night. Nick Saban oh, comes like out and, too. and flips the coin, you know, before the game. And you know what? The Eagles won it last year, and we all think they're as good as they get. And wouldn't it be amazing if it's a team filled with Georgia Bulldogs? By the way, by the way, I'll give you my top five juiciest potential Super Bowl matchups as well. But I'll spoil it for you. This list does not include Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. Let me represent their teams. The Cincinnati Bengals, who went to the Super Bowl two years ago, who have gone to the AFC Championship game for the last two years. The Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen, who everybody loves and perceives to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Justin Herbert, Los Angeles Chargers. Um, who else? It does have Aaron in it, so the Jets. Who else doesn't it have? Oh, yeah, um, Lamar Jackson, Baltimore Ravens, Trevor Lawrence, Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Mac Daddy of them all, Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. Like, just so many interesting narratives and storylines just, like, coming from X team versus the Dallas Cowboys, but... It's just, it's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. It's like you really think that people would rather want to watch Anthony Richardson and, and Bryce Young versus each other versus Dak Prescott versus Patrick Mahomes or Dak Prescott versus Lamar Jackson or Dak Prescott versus anyone else and da-da-da-da-da. Like, that's the best you can do. Apparently, Rich Eisen sat, sat, in, his, uh, sat in his home this weekend and thought about this, you know, Really, really hard. He thought about, you know, what, what's some of the more interesting narratives that I have for, uh, for the NFL or that I can have for the NFL, and this is the best that he came up with. Out there with Devontae Smith as well on the field, and Tua and the Miami Dolphins are in the Super Bowl as well. That would be pretty juicy, don't you think? Mm-hmm. I like No, that. it right. wouldn't be. Number three. It wouldn't be because it's not fucking 2017. When you think of a team playing in their home stadium for the Super Bowl and winning it all, who do you think of? Tom Brady. Okay. With all due respect to Matthew Stafford. Of course. You think about Tom Brady. Think about Tom Brady. What's a team that Tom Brady might take a piece of ownership of in time for the uh, playing season? And who is the quarterback of that team? We think... It's going to be. That was boy. He's Jimmy got G. the Jimmy G shirt Jimmy on, G don't shirt you? On now. <laughs> How about the Raiders playing in their home stadium with Tom Brady in the owner's suite with Mark Davis, and the team that they're taking on is Jimmy G's former team in the San Francisco 49ers? That's pretty fun. How about Raiders, Niners, a little bit? I completely forgot about this one. Completely forgot about this one. I just, I thought we were talking about things that were actually interesting, that were actually cool. How does, and I'm, and I've muted him because it's just, it's just so dumb. It's this one. It's just like, who the fuck cares, man? Who the fuck cares if Jimmy G plays up against his former team? Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't a great player, and he was made by Shanahan. And it's just like, I'm moving on. That was a dumb one. <laughs> Russell Wilson shows you he's not only still got it, he's making oh, this, the Super Bowl. This, the- this next one, Russell Wilson versus Seattle. And we've seen the Broncos and Seahawks play each other, have we not? In the Super Bowl. And Sean Payton is back in the Super Bowl. I thought to myself, do I put Sean Payton versus the Saints? Yeah, but that doesn't that doesn't have as much juice as Sean Payton back in the Super Bowl himself. Taking on Pete Carroll. By the way, there have been some Saints-Seahawks playoff games. Russ versus Drew Brees, by the way. But Russ taking on Seattle in the Super Bowl? For Denver and Sean Payton against Pete Carroll in Las Vegas, Nevada? Sign me up. That's pretty damn juicy. All week. I would fucking hate myself if I had to fucking watch the Broncos versus Seattle. I Instead of, like, Mahomes, you want to know why it's, like, I don't know what the fuck media members in the NFL are doing. I don't know what Rich is doing. I, I don't understand it at all. 
you want to know what's like an interesting narrative? It's like great players, great teams, you know, great fans going up against each other. That's a great narrative. That's a juicy Super Bowl. It's like, you know, I, I said I was going to give you some matchups. Here are interesting matchups. Dallas versus the Bills, right? Dallas, Dak Prescott, Dallas Cowboys, 90s. You know, you want to talk about old-ass narratives. The 90s Cowboys absolutely beating the dog crap out of the Bills in the 90s. But, hey, the two teams are actually pretty great and pretty relevant today. I think that would be awesome. Two of the most volatile fan bases in the NFL, Dallas and also the Buffalo Bills with Bills Mafia. Bills against anybody, especially Philly. Bills Mafia against the Philadelphia Eagles. That would be fucking awesome. With both fan bases traveling extraordinarily well. The fights, the shit talking. The actual game would be awesome. Not the lead up. The lead up would be pretty like lukewarm. But the actual games themselves would be great. And that's the, that's the fucking point that I'm trying to highlight. Most of these games would be utter dog shit. Would you want to see Geno Smith go up against Russell Wilson in the fucking Super Bowl? I fucking wouldn't. I wouldn't want to see Bryce Young play with Anthony Richardson this year, to be honest with you. I don't think I do. Thank God. I think I actually do. I, nah, maybe not. We'll see. But I want to see fucking good games. I want to see the best fucking players playing in the Super Bowl. I don't want to see teams that literally were drafting number one and number four overall or number one, number three overall this year playing in literally the biggest game on the fucking planet. Playing in the biggest sporting event on the fucking planet. I don't want to see that shit. I want to be entertained during Super Bowl Sunday. Mm. And by the way, that would be, don't you think, potentially a seat at the table in Canton for the winning coach of that game? Mm -hmm. You want to talk a legacy? Second Super Bowl win? Oh, God. Like, remember what I talked about with guys and media members talking about legacy? Rich Eisen just essentially insinuated that Sean Payton, do your dance hits with Sean Payton and Pete Carroll, their busts in Canton would be on the line if they won or lost in Canton. It's just like, dude, like, what a dumb narrative, man. Honestly. Honestly, dude. For... Pete Carroll, yeah. second Super Bowl win for Sean Payton, one and two each in two in a different spot. Winner Hall of Fame for sure. Okay, number one on the list. It's a no-brainer. You know it. Cowboys I know versus it. and the American people know it. Jets Packers, baby. If Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers are in the Super Bowl <laughs> oh, against one another, holy smokes! Jordan Love versus Aaron Rodgers. That Aaron Rodgers does, in fact, take the Jets to the Super Bowl exactly as the Jets and all of their crazy-ass fans, including me, dreamt possible. And the team may fade. I can't stand it anymore. So bored. Ugh. Jets, Packers. It would be an interesting narrative. It would be a more interesting regular season game. I don't want to talk about the Jets Packers for a week. I really don't. And I don't fucking care about the Jets and the fucking Packers. And I've been getting it wrong for the last like 10 to 20 minutes. I've been saying for the last week, it, it would be for two fucking weeks. Oh my God. Some of the narratives. But I felt like Rich Eisen talking about the Super Bowl and quote-unquote juicy Super Bowl matchups is like the perfect encapsulation to how people cover certain sports because certain people are like, you know, these would be awesome matchups. We we did this, and, and if this happened, and that happened, and it's just like da-da-da-da-da, and it's just like you people don't understand what is actually truly interesting and fascinating for audiences, which is why you write the worst articles I have ever seen in my entire life. And you also asked the worst question. Questions <laughs> I have ever seen in my entire life. Dude, I'm so fucking annoyed. <laughs> I'm so fucking annoyed with that fucking.
dumbass fucking list that he came out with. Oh my god, dude. It was so fucking bad. Ugh. Anyways. On a kind of like some news. <clears throat> some newsy types th type of things. So. Where is it? Derek Carr, and I'll kind of skim through some of this stuff. Derek Carr was pretty, like, the quote is, Derek Carr was very upset and mad at the Raiders for benching him last season. The quote is, I was, for a lack of a better term, I was very upset. I was mad. You spend nine years in a place, you have all the records, and you can play at a high level, and for something to get in the way, whether it was whatever reason, money-related or whatever, injury-related, I would have said, I don't even want the money just to play two more times in front of our fans. I didn't get that opportunity, so it definitely lit a fire inside of me to get, to keep going. If you don't know the context of that quote, Derek Carr last year was benched, final two games of the regular season, so that way they could essentially, I think, roll out Jarrett Stidham or somebody else that was on the Raiders and Derek Carr did not play his final couple of games in front of the fans, which in a lot of ways I think is ridiculous, and I think that's bad for the Raiders. But Derek Carr is not a great quarterback. Derek Carr is a average to slightly above average quarterback on a terrible, horrendous football team that has invested a lot of money into moving to a city that doesn't necessarily represent them whatsoever. True, there is different and more fan bases out there than in Oakland that can penetrate your stadium. So that way, all of your home games are now away games. But Yes, the Raiders, they probably are making more money moving to Las Vegas than staying in Oakland. And this whole move to Oakland, from Oakland to Las Vegas, has just been terrible, I think, long-term for the status of the football team because it just feels like the Raiders are yet another expansion team. Granted, Derek Carr isn't, once again, a great quarterback, but he is probably their best quarterback ever, You know, regardless of how you feel on that. And, I mean, obviously, they did a, a gigantic disservice to him, but that was then repaid in full where they couldn't even trade him to the team that he was going to go to inevitably, and that was the New Orleans Saints, that had showed interest in them. Everybody had known that they wanted to get rid of him because of his contract. They had made it known that they were willing to trade Derek, and Derek was like, I'm willing to be traded as well. Let's get it on. And so... I think around February, they couldn't find any suitors. They tried to ship him off to the Saints or to the Jets. He didn't want to go, or whatever the case may be. Didn't work. The trade fell through. And yet, we still have Derek Carr going to the fucking Saints regardless. Nothing fucking changed. Everything is the exact same. And the Raiders are a bunch of goons for doing some of the dumbest shit I have ever seen in my life in regards to one of their favored sons and Derek Carr and making an absolute fool out of themselves. And now, once again, they could potentially make themselves into a bigger jackass with the contract situation involving Josh Jacobs. It is reported that Josh Jacobs is not going to, uh, to sign the franchise tag and that there is a very, very big chance, a very, very large chance that not only is he going to miss out on training camp, but also week one, game one for the Las Vegas Raiders. And if I look up who the Raiders play week one, game one, let me just check it out. Is it an important game? Yes, it is. It is against the Denver Broncos, September 10th, opening weekend. Right, divisional rival in Denver. Huge game, huge implications if the Raiders want to go to the playoffs or think that they can go to the playoffs against what was last year a very bad Denver Broncos team. It's imperative that you win the game. 
You play the first two games on the road, Denver, and then at Bills. The reason why Josh Jacobs is so important for their football team is that Josh Jacobs last year was either the best running back in the NFL or one of the best running backs in the NFL. He had his best season on record for some weird reason. I mean, he got better as a fourth-year running back with over 1,000 touches in the league. At his highest year when it came to yards and touchdowns, he had 1,600 yards, 12 tutties, 53 receptions. Pretty much all of that is either tied for his career high in touchdowns or like everywhere else, it is his career high. Like 340 attempts, ridiculous amount, by the way. Shout out to Josh McDaniels, the genius passing attack offensive coordinator from the New England Patriots that everybody just claims is just, man, this guy is a super genius. He's like Jimmy Neutron, boy genius. Speaking of which, hold on, let me get something really fast. couple weeks getting stuff off of eBay and some of that has been DVDs and I've also went out to Walmart and I got some other TV shows as well and it's just like it's funny that I mentioned Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius because that's what I fucking have everybody thinks right here the whole fucking complete series that's what everybody thinks Josh McDaniels is another fucking boy genius Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius hey he's smart you know I saw so many people for years give so much flack to one offensive coordinator turned head coach, I still see people give him flack, and that's Sean McVay. I still see people being like, you know, that Sean McVay guy, he's overrated. He's not really that good of an offensive coach. He, he's not really that good of an offensive coordinator either. He's a bit of an idiot, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just like, dude has had essentially the most success that you can possibly have at his age as a head coach, and people are still talking crap about Sean McVay because they're bitter, they're uh, they're jealous of his success. He has, you know, speaking of guys that have won Super Bowls and Pete Carroll and also Sean Payton, Sean McVay has gone and taken bums like Jared Goff to the Super Bowl. He's been to two Super Bowls, won one, damn near almost won the other one if... Jared Goff can complete a pass. And Sean McVay has been fucking killing it. But does anyone care? Is anyone like, man, Sean McVay is an awesome head coach? No. But for years, for years, all I got, all I motherfucking heard about Sean McVay for fucking years was how awesome Josh McDaniels was as a head coach or excuse me as an offensive coordinator and how many players now currently vouch for him he's a boy genius he's awesome he's this he's that he can't win a fucking game to save his fucking life and now people want to talk to me about what the Raiders are going to do or can do and what they will do next year. It's annoying. Especially when they relied exclusively on the run to carry their football team. Josh Jacobs almost had like 100 more carries last year than he had. Excuse me. He had over 100 more carries than he had um, in 2021 than he had in 2022. It's, it's just like he had 340 carries last season. In 2021, he had 217. It was absurd. Absurd behind a terrible run blocking offensive line, by the way. Just like gee whiz, I wonder what would happen if he actually had a good offensive line. But I'm just I'm so annoyed with some of these coaches and with the media's preferential treatment of bad head coaches versus good head coaches. And just the Raiders organization just fucking up so many very basic and simple things. And so we kind of get to this weird part part or this point where the Raiders obviously need Josh Jacobs to go out and win games and by all accounts by all intents and purposes it looks like they just simply put will not have 
their star running back unless they sign him to a long-term contract. Just like I don't I don't I don't know if they will. Honest to God, my money is on at this point they probably won't cuz nobody's paying running backs and he's probably one of the only guy that actually has any leverage to get a long-term contract, but I don't really know. I don't really know if he will get get what he's looking for, especially from the Raiders. Because Lord knows the Raiders sure do treat some of their veteran core players very well, especially after seeing what happened to, to Derek Carr. Just like, I just... Yeesh, I do not know whatsoever what's going to happen with the Raiders. There's this weird... And I'll end with this, right? I'll end with the whole free agency free agency thing with DeAndre Hopkins and also Dalvin Cook. I'm a bit shocked that they are we're a couple of weeks out from DeAndre Hopkins being released. We are I mean, we're almost a month out from DeAndre Hopkins being released. We're like a couple of weeks I think out or pretty much close to like a month out from Dalvin Cook being released, and nobody's biting. Nobody is going out of their way to sign either one of these two guys to a contract. And look, Dalvin had his worst season pretty much statistically when it came to yards per attempt, so I get why people aren't going out of their way to sign him. I I don't get this DeAndre Hopkins stuff. I You can't convince me that DeAndre Hopkins does not have something left as another number one that can help you win football games. I just, I'm, I'm shocked that DeAndre Hopkins is, is just like, people are just like, yeah, we're, we're fine without him. He had 1400 yards in 2020. I think he got hurt 2021. He got suspended last year. Last year he had one of his career lows in, yards per catch at 11.2. He only played in nine games because he, again, suspended PED use. But it's like he had 96 targets, 64 receptions, 712 yards, three touchdowns, 11.2 yards per catch. He had a good season. Is it a season where you would be like, I want to pay him $30 million? Absolutely not. Of course not. But is it a season where you're like, huh, he's like worth like a low, late round pick. He's worth a shot, especially now. I don't know how far he is away from where most people have him when it comes to the money. But some teams cannot be this picky. Reportedly, the Browns are interested in DeAndre Hopkins and reportedly as well, the Panthers, which would make a lot of sense because DeAndre Hopkins is awesome. And the Panthers still need another wide receiver if we're having that conversation. So it's a shock to me that these two huge primo prime free agents are still available. One thing that's kind of it's it's hinting at is that their money is just like you, you want to know what? I don't even know if it's about the money because I, I don't know if anyone is doing their fucking jobs. It's the middle of June, so everybody wants to take a break, I guess. But I don't know if people are like, let me, let me go in and let me look this up and let me see what's going on with some of these, uh, these guys. Let me see how, um, let me see if it's about their money. Let me investigate. Let me talk to some people. I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what DeAndre Hopkins' plan is. I think his value is still very, very high, but his perceived value around the league is very, very low. And so you kind of unfortunately get paid what people are willing to offer you. And nobody wants to offer him any contracts. Same thing goes with Dalvin Cook. I don't know when either one of these two guys is going to be picked up. I really don't know. It kind of reminds me a couple of years ago when KD went to Brooklyn and it was like, it was completely and utterly unpredictable. 
when he left the Warriors. You know, people thought that he was going to go to the Knicks or someplace else, but no, or potentially join LeBron. It was just like, no, he's or going to San Antonio or someplace else, maybe Philadelphia, whatever the case. But Brooklyn, uh, uh-uh. I don't think anyone predicted that. And it's like, I have the feeling that DeAndre Hopkins and Dalvin Cook are potentially just going to be, you know, someplace or places that most people won't really predict, including myself. And I just, I don't, I don't know. Dalvin potentially is probably going to go to Miami because Miami really wants him. A lot of teams want DeAndre Hopkins, but God, man. I mean, training camp will probably see the most movement in regards to these two players, but Jesus fucking Christ. The fact that both of these guys are still available is just ridiculous to me. Anyways, I'm peacing out. I'll see you Thursday, 24th podcast.